Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 15th, 2016. You're listening to the best poker cast anywhere. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Pokemon Long. Uh, did you almost get killed this week going out in, uh, on US-19 trying to capture a Pikachu? Uh, no, but last night we were leaving the bar and the wife just went uh, apeshit trying, trying to find this one in the parking lot. It was really hilarious to watch. So Seriously. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, come on. And, and this is overnight, too. This is what drives me crazy. <laughs> It's over, and all of a sudden, it's no all over. Yahoo! the fads before they start? Is that what's driving you crazy? Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's on TV. It's on Yahoo. I mean, what's what's going on with this Pikachu? Yeah, you're right. Like, Monday, we had no idea. And then now, it's what everybody's talking about. It's ridiculous. Grow up. Anti-Up needs a fad like that. Maybe we, maybe we, we do. need uh, little playing cards that show up when you show up at our Anti-Up tour events or something. <laughs> when you show up to the, the cage to buy into the Anti-Up event. <laughs> You'll get your Pikachu. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it's been a busy week for us here, uh, not chasing Pokemons. Um, yeah. Our online subscription site has launched at antiuppokerroom.com, and the online Antiup Poker Tour series continues to the main event. This Sunday, July 17th, 9 p.m. Eastern, winner gets his or her face on the cover of Antiup Magazine and $1,000, not Skittles, actual dollars. Real cash. Uh, play the course is open to players in 25 states for 14.95 a month, and uh, we're getting a, a ton of feedback from players, and we really, really do appreciate that. Uh, we're passing it all along to the site administrators. You know, we, we're not actually involved in the actual running of the site, so. Um, but uh, they're doing a really good job of responding and making changes. So um, I would say that's the highlight of the week for me so far. It's been two things. It's been one. Um, uh, every morning I'm emailing the winner of last night's tournament and uh, telling them to send us a photo and their name so we can put it in the magazine. And so far it's all been podcast listeners that have won. Yeah. Um, and they've all been very appreciative of it, uh, of the podcast. And um, so that's good that uh, that our fans are winning these tournaments. Um, and then uh, just the, the level of service we're getting from um, Strategic Entertainment, the, the company that's running the site for us, um, has been really, really good. So obviously it's a... You know, just like when we started the podcast, it kind of sucked right away, right? Right. And now it's less sucky. <laughs> um, and same with the magazine. Uh, same thing with the room here. Anytime you launch something new, there's some bugs and things to work out and, and feedback. And um, so definitely keep that coming. The best way is to send it through the Contact Us form on com. That goes straight to the site administrators. Um, if you send it to me, it's great, but then I just got to send it 
to to them. Right. <laughs> so it's just an extra step. Right. Uh, but definitely, uh, if you're sitting at home and you, and you had some feedback and you haven't shared it yet, uh, please do because uh, we really are interested in hearing it and making the experience better. But right now, it's been a lot of fun. And if you are the winner of the main event and you're listening to our show, Scott's going to be contacting you with questions, and we want you to send us a really nice photo, and that's what's going to make it onto the cover. So make sure you pay attention to your email and look in your spam just in case. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I, I am known for spamming people. <laughs> so that's good. We're, we're excited. We'll hope it uh, continues to grow and gets uh, better and better each week. And then, of course, our World Series update, our last one of the year. Now that's into the main event. Yeah. Uh, Alan Du not only became the first champion from China, but did it by eliminating every person at the final table in event number 59. That's a $5,000 no-limit hold'em. Doug Polk and Ryan Fee are the first champions of the new $1,000 tag team event, which was event 61. Uh, World Poker Tour commentator Tony Dunst won event 62. That's a $1,000 no-limit hold'em event. And Tony Roberto of Florida became the first man to enter the ladies' championship since the World Series, up the buy into $10,000 for men. Uh, he said he entered because he would have made significant side action money had he cashed, which he didn't. <laughs> and Flight C of the main event had the largest field ever 4,240 players. The official field is 6,737, with $8 million going to the winner. Of course, that main event's continuing uh, here for a couple more days before it finishes up in November. And finally, Jason Mercier is going to have to win the main event to collect on that prop bet he made with Vanessa Selps, but he is staying in the headlines by proposing to his girlfriend, Tampa Bay Area Pro and former anti-up columnist Natasha Barber, just after she busted the $5,000 No Limit Hold'em event in third place. Uh, spoiler alert, she said yes. <laughs> All right, I got a couple of comments, a couple of questions here. Uh, when you say the the main event had the largest field ever for that, was it just for a flight? For a flight, yes. For a flight, okay. So that that was pretty much exactly what I guessed. I guess six thousand seven hundred thirty-seven people were going to enter the main event this year. I'm right on the dot. I mean, I I didn't. You got every single jelly bean correct. Yeah, I it was awesome. So I went a side bet with you. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to say was that this, you know, what shocked me was that this was not the first tag team event in World Series history. Yeah, the first one was like years ago. Yeah, it was seven card stud. Yeah, I did not. That's unbelievable. I did not realize that that was even it a. It wasn't. Thing. Really, I don't think it was really a tag team. It was a. Uh, it was a mixed doubles. Yeah. Or scotch doubles. What, what do they call them, Bolding? Isn't it scotch doubles? Scotch, or you throw the first ball, and if you don't strike, the other guy makes your uh, okay, spare. That's so not quite the same. Then. No. It was, it was mixed. It had to be um, uh, a man and a woman. Uh, but they were playing seven-card stud. It was back in the 70s or 80s. Yes. Yeah, crazy. Um, and then the guy entering for ten grand. Of course, he's from Florida. Yeah, of course. You know. um, Oma but... George Zimmerman, Casey Anthony, and guys that pay $10,000 <laughs> at ladies' tournaments. Ten or so $1,000. Yeah, I know. So proud here. Hold your head up high. <laughs> um, well, all right. So uh, a couple things I want to say. Uh, let's keep going on this uh, Tony Roberto guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know somebody was going to do this at some point, right? Sure. And, um, you know, I, I think it's tough to say because the story I read didn't really have quotes from women that were in the tournament. It was mostly about him, and he claims that he was very respectful to them. He, you know, he sat to, every time he got moved to a table, he said, "Hey, go ahead and get the jokes out of the way now." And he wasn't there to bash women like some of these guys that used to enter were. Um, uh, so, I guess it, it could be worse. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but uh, but what bothers me though is this is another example of prop bets gone amok. 
right? Mm, yeah. You know, it's it's like, you know, I love that show 24. It was like the best show on TV ever. Well, not the best show, but the most entertaining show. Yeah. And, you know, after every season, we'd get together with my friends and we're like, dude, they just exploded a nuclear bomb over the United States. What can they do to top that next year? <laughs> and the problem is that they have to find a way to top it, so it becomes more ridiculous. So I think these prop bests just keep getting more ridiculous. You can't just have a, hey, uh, last longer. Oh, my God, people are like snoozing a last longer bet now, right? Yeah. It's got to be, you know, crazier and crazier to get attention, and now it's getting to the point where, you know, I no harm, no foul, it sounds like in this particular event. Um, but, you know, somebody is going to top them next year and... Hey, you know you're gonna get uh, five thousand if you enter the the ladies' event and wearing a mini pearl dress, you know, or something like that. Eventually, this is gonna become come back to what it was before, which is a farce, and that's what I'm worried about. If if the World Series shares your sentiment, then they'll just make it a hundred grand. Ah, there you go. You know, I mean, they can do whatever they want. Ten grand, that dog. That's always tempting somebody to be even more of an idiot, right? Yeah, good though. The women get dead money, a hundred grand, well, and they're prize pool. Yeah, so yeah. let them do it. But that's yeah, what they'll do. I think it was Karina Jett that said that she appreciated the extra nine thousand in the prize. Yeah, so there you go. Um, but that's probably what they'll end up if if it becomes a farce, like you said, or if they share that that thought, then yeah, just keep upping it until they it's too expensive. They can't make money on doing this. You know, no one's gonna have a side bet. That makes it worth a hundred grand, unless somebody says, "I'll give you a million if you cash." I mean, who would do that? So, Nessa Selps when she's blackout drunk. Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was fast too, buddy. You didn't even miss a beat on that. <laughs> you probably had that loaded and ready to go, hoping I'd ask that. I set that. I'm the great straight man right here, buddy. <laughs> that was perfect. Oh man. Okay. Well, we may have talked about this before when when the World Series did this, but I don't remember it because it was kind of like. Drive me crazy. I was driving to a meeting last night and I was thinking about this. So, Nevada Gaming Commission will not allow you to, as a poker room, um, discriminate against a particular gender, right? Mm-hmm. So, the ladies' event, what they always wanted to do was just make it you have to actually be, you know, a woman, not necessarily a lady, but a woman right. to enter. But that's, that's not allowed in Nevada, right? But Nevada does allow you to charge a significantly higher buy-in to a man to enter a women's tournament. I don't really get the difference. Well, you're not stopping them from entering. You're just the criteria is different. Uh, okay, I guess that is slight. That, that that's a uh, semantics, though. But all right, I'll give that to you. I do what I do, and this is I'm very serious with this. What I do wonder what will happen is when the trans community. Oh, of course, absolutely. If some, something happens there, and somebody's trying to take advantage of that community, you know, and saying, you know, I'm I'm a woman, um, that's who I identify as, but it's a guy just wanting to enter the event, you know, then I wonder if the legal things are going to start to come into play. Then. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I've never tried to enter a ladies' event or a seniors' event or one of these kind of restricted entries, so I don't know what kind of. I assume a seniors' event, you got a show ID that shows your yeah fifty or sixty-five, the super seniors or whatever it is, right? Um, so I'm, I'm guessing, maybe I'm wrong, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing you're showing your driver's license and it says male or female on it, right? So that's that's the deciding factor. I don't know, does it say that on your license? Mm. I've never really paid attention on my license for that. Yeah, that's a good question, I don't know. I don't think it does. See, I, that's confusing. So, uh, yeah, that's why these things should just be abolished. You know, and whatever. I mean, well, yeah, I would say in a perfect world, we'd all wish that there was no such thing as a ladies' 
championship or a seniors championship. Not because we don't want those folks to play with people they want, but just that if poker got to the point where everybody felt comfortable playing with everybody else, then that that would be progress. Right. So, um, I don't know how far away we are from that. I mean, it's still only don't know what the numbers were this year, but last year was six percent of entries for women, which is really sad. sad I mean, for the overall yeah. World Series. For the overall World Series, right? Hundred percent in the ladies' championship, except for this year. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, okay, so the flight C four thousand two hundred forty. That means only two thousand and five hundred or so played the other two flights, three flights, however many flights they had. Did it go to D? I don't know if it went to flight D. No, I don't D. think it is. Yeah, so, always, the last one's always the biggest one. Yeah, so, so two. So only a thousand, basically what you said it was only two thousand, so about a thousand yeah. a day up until the last day. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I'm, and it's a freeze-out tournament, too. I mean, there's no re-entry, I mean. So, I mean, it's not like people can play the first day and then get busted, right. come back in the other one. So, curious why so many people wait to the last minute. I guess maybe some, a lot of people are trying to qualify satellites or sit and goes or something maybe some people are trying to save money on hotel rooms just want to stay that one yeah, day that could be, that could be yeah. um, but you know the other thing too um, when there's only a thousand people A and B I wonder if they're like getting worried at that point like man it's, it's only going to be 3,000 people in the main event if it stays this way you know I know they don't, and there's an uptick on the last day but, right right people do that but yeah. wow just a, basically a thousand a day up until then crazy but that's still a huge number, huge, huge number, 6,700 people. Yeah, it's I think huge. it's the largest World Series in the last five years, I think. Yeah, it's huge. I, I, you know what I like, too, about the recaps that we do and and just seeing who won and stuff? There are, there are some always, there's always, always almost an interesting story tied to the winner or something. And, like, Tony Dunst winning, you know, the guy has been this sort of irreverent commentator on World Poker Tour and snazzy dresser and all that. But yeah. what has he really done? You know, I mean, as far as a title and stuff, I mean, it, that was a pretty nice thing that he got that, so that sort of legitimizes him a little more. Um, you know, the tag team thing, it just, it's kind of cool to see all this stuff going on. And Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, obviously, I checked the uh, official report of all, you know, 60-some events this right, year, right? right. And um, as being somebody that actually has to write these stories at our Antioch events, right? Right. Always hoping for a story, right? something interesting a nice hook um or all kinds of stuff uh that might be interesting and there's nothing more painful than having to do an interview with someone that has nothing to say <laughs> oh yeah and, and then there was nothing remarkable about the tournament you know people played cards one guy won eight people didn't <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard to draw that out so i i feel for uh nolan Dahl, who i think writes most of those um, because there, there were there was a stretch there where I just looked at him like yeah there's nothing here yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean I'm happy with the person and uh, but there just there wasn't anything worth bringing up on our show and uh, that's a pretty low bar yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're right though on balance though out of the sixty some events I think we probably mentioned um, at least half so at least half had something interesting. yeah yeah. All right, any updates? Hollywood Casino Aurora near Chicago will award Antioch Poker Crew's balcony packages and cash to the top 10 finishers in a mega free roll on October 9th. Win your way into the mega through one of three monthly free rolls or get direct entry by logging 100 live play hours from now until the tournament. 
For more details, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Also, Dover Downs Hotel and Casino in Dover, Delaware, has changed the schedule of its Annie Up Set Sail series. One more free will be held July 17th, and then the final three cruise packages will be awarded in a $45 tournament on August 21st. All winners get an Annie Up Poker Cruise for two package for our November 14th sailing out of Tampa. Of course, uh, again, for more information, go to AnnieUpCruises.com. And I should have mentioned the uh, Hollywood Casino Aurora is also for that November 14th sailing out of Tampa. So. Yeah, yeah. But lots of ways to get on that ship. I mean, now we have, I believe, uh, 5, 10, 15, 25 cruise packages up for grabs. Crazy. Or some of them have been awarded already. But So, yeah, lots of ways to, to win your way on that cruise. And that cruise, we have well more than 120 passengers already with several months to go. So that's going to be an awesome cruise. Looking yeah. Our, our Tampa cruises are always always so big. Okay, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, Poker's best social networking site and home to the Annie Up group discussions. comes from Scott W. He says, I play 1-3 no limit at least once a month. When I play at my local casino, the regulars always sit to my left and pretty much won't play pots with me. They'll literally wait to see if I raise, then muck, even if they have chips in their hands ready to bet. I believe everyone sees me as extremely tight because I only show premium hands when I can, but in reality, I will play any two cards from middle position on. I guess I'm wondering why these guys jump to my left and won't get in pots with me. Do you think that's a good thing? Could there be a leak in my game that I'm not catching? He says, when I play, uh, depending on the table, I try to find a sweet spot to open with a raise, sometimes $8, $12, $15, $18. I try to stay under $12 in relation to the 1-3 blinds, but it's not always realistic. Anyway, no matter what the hand, I raise to the sweet spot, say $12, and players actually begin getting upset. I constantly have players swear under their breath when I raise. Players will try to antagonize me or say, here we go again. Do you guys think they're trying to get me off my game? Do you think it's because I could have ace-ace or six-nine off and still make the make it $12 and they get no information? Do you think this is a bad play? The remarks don't bother me. I just wanted someone's opinion on these situations. Uh, I'm going to say these people are just there for the fun of the game. they got nothing else to do but go play poker. <laughs> Yeah, and want to see as many flops as possible, and they probably never raise themselves. And so, even though you have every right to raise, and you should raise if you feel like you should raise, uh, it's messing up their game. So they're not trying to get you off your game. They're just upset that they can't limp into every pot for three bucks and hope to hit that jackpot. That's that's what I would say. I feel like he's playing the. Uh, what the game at Derby Lane where it was the two dollar straight poker yes. and they didn't right. want to see anyone ever raise ever. They all wanted to see flops and but it's a one three no limit game. That's what's kind of odd about this story. I'm gonna guess that that might be the the lowest level game at wherever he's playing. I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it probably most is. places have a two four game where these these uh, limpers hang out and, and maybe they don't have that so they have to play a one three. Yeah, that that that's got to be it's got to be something like that because. I mean, you're playing no limit. Why are you playing no limit if no everyone wants to limp or be, is frustrated by the normal raise? And if there is a sweet spot, then he's not the only one raising. So, 
You know what I mean? That means there's a sweet spot that's been established that he's just joining. So people are raising. So if it's him that they're directly upset with, I really don't know what it is. Maybe it is you're only showing good hands. But if if I was at that table and that was happening to me, I'd raise every hand. Yeah, I think that's what I told him when I responded is that, especially when I'm on the button or late position, I'm raising every single time. Yeah. Because these are guys that obviously uh, don't want to call a raise. So they're still going to be lumping in. And then when you raise, now you're picking up $3 times however many old guys are in the hand. <laughs> right. Uh, for nothing, right? You might get somebody that calls, and then you might have to do a little hand-to-hand combat on the flop a turn maybe. But um, that's really the way to exploit this game, I think. I think so. And the other thing is that if they happen to call or come back with a raise, then you know where you stand. You know, these, oh, yeah. these guys are never calling your raise, and then all of a sudden they do. They got to have a hand, a big hand probably. So they're they're laying their cards face up almost essentially. Now you might get somebody in there who's savvy and realizes it, and then starts to play different cards against you, and then you finally have some play and you get a normal game going again. But it's until until they play back at you, just keep raising and keep taking three dollars. If I knew every time I raised, I was going to win uncontested, I would raise all day long, come home with a nice profit. True. So no reason not to do that. Well, and you also have to remember uh, what what a raise does, too. So if you've got, like, a small pair or a uh, suited connector or something where you're hoping to stack somebody with, then maybe you decide not to raise there because you know 47 people are going to call. Right. And you might get good odds of getting somebody stacked, which is a easier way of uh, logging in a, a win and 1-3 than just raising and taking $7 every hand, which <laughs> I totally agree with that's the way I would do it, but... It, it, it's a uh, laborious way of making a profit at the table, right? Yep. So you do have to think about that. So um, Also, if somebody, if you see like two or three guys who ask for seat changes to sit on your left, and get a table change. Leave the table. Go to another one. Keep finding a table until you find the one you want. You know, that doesn't have these guys constantly. I mean, that, it could be one of these smaller places that only have yeah, one, one game going. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that these guys populate every table with this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So, it's just a rotating cast of which ones he ends up playing with that day. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but you're right. If, if, if that's not the case, then absolutely. Yeah, change tables. Yeah. But no, I mean, nothing you're doing there, Scott, as far as we can tell. Um, you know, unless you're straddling. And then, then we don't like you. <laughs> not we, you. <laughs> hey, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. We're going to refresh our memories here. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in that 50-cent, $1, No Limit Hold'em PLO game from last week. And at this point, we are in the PLO round. We're down to $75 of our starting stack of 100 If you remember from earlier episodes, PLO is one of my weaker games. The table is still six-handed. The under-the-gun folds, plus one and cutoff call, and we're on the button with the Ace of Hearts... King of Hearts, Jack of Diamonds, Five of Diamonds. A big suited ace with three Broadway cards is decent, although I'm not crazy about the five. We call, small blind calls, big blind checks. There's $5 in the pot, and the flop is a great one. The Ace of Clubs, Queen of Hearts, Five of Hearts comes down. We've made top and bottom pair with the Nut Flush Redraw. The small blind checks, the big blind bets pot, $5, the plus one folds, the cutoff calls, and we raise to $10. The remaining players call. The cutoff is the villain from our last episode, the woman who can get bored. 
She tends to play too many hands in PLO and is very loose passive. The big blind is a solid player who has a good grasp on PLO. Both players have us covered. The pot is $35 and the turn is the nine of spades. This is essentially a blank for us. Both players check to us. We're down to $65, but decide to keep the pot manageable. After all, we only have a made two pair. The pot is the same, and the river is the five of spades. Awesome. Five's full. The big blind once again bets pot. $35. Not awesome. The cutoff immediately folds, and we have a decision here. Is our full house good? What's the move? All right, I'm going to get flame this one, I think. So we're yes. going to talk about it now. We're going to talk about it after result, I think. So, But but I'm going to get flame because I'm thinking about this differently, and that always gets me in trouble with the animation. So uh, what I'm going to say now is we check the turn to control the pot. So now that we have a controlled pot with an improved hand, um, we could be outboated, of course, but by checking turn, we get to find out for reduced rates. So I'm calling because this is what we meant to do on the turn. Okay, so... Here's the deal. When Scott and I do O'Malley's move, uh, Scott listens to it. He recaps it on the file that we use. Then he says what he says, and then I get up there and I just I react and I write how I react. And as I was writing it, I convinced myself to do the opposite <laughs> as I was writing it. So this is what I wrote. You're weak-willed. I, I I can't believe it. I could change my mind. So I said in the beginning, I'm never raising and never folding. Even though a few hands beat us, I could see someone folding because underboats are notorious for losing in this game. There's even a special section in Super System 2 dedicated to underboats. Yeah, absolutely. Then I wrote, screw it, I'll fold. I talked myself into it. As soon as I remembered that section, I thought, wow, we really have a horrible boat here. Yes, we do. Absolutely. So I'm going to fold. You're going to call, I'm going to fold. At least there's two different reactions here. But when I thought of the super se- uh, system section of on the underboats and stuff, I was like, you know what? This is a horrible hand. It would be just my luck if I was in the home game and I did boat up this way that someone would have a better boat than me. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm letting it go, and I can see someone having a bigger boat. So I'm folding. All right. All right, here comes part two. Hello again. It took me a while to make ultimately the right decision here. This player let out on the flop slowed down on the turn, and then bet when the board paired. This has got to be a full house as well. And of the six possible full houses out there, we only beat two of them. We tie one and lose three. Ultimately, I feel like we're up against pocket queens or nines here. We frustratedly show our fives full and muck. Our opponent wraps the table and shows pocket queens. Good fold. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes a good read still feels like a bad boss. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, so this is where I'm going to get flamed, right? Because <laughs> I totally agree with your pre-result analysis, right? Yeah. Underboats are the kiss of death in Omaha. Yeah. And for people who lose a lot of money, and when I teach the Omaha classes on the cruise, I tell folks in Omaha... There's a lot of times where you don't want your hand to improve on the turn of the river, right? Right. You know, if you've got the nut flush on the uh, flop, you don't want to turn a boat, an underboat, on the turn because you have the nuts. Right. So you have to be really careful, and underboats get people in so much trouble. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought there was a above-average chance that we were beat 
but I guess my point was that um, you know if we checked the term for pod control um, then we got what we wanted so the pot was reduced so we're not at as much risk to find out whether we were wrong with that read <laughs> so I guess my point is we shouldn't have checked the turn if we intended to fold the river now I know there's all kinds of other things that you could put in there so I'm not suggesting that if anybody that checked the turn and then folded on the river as O'Malley very smartly did at least the fold was smart um, are wrong I just uh, I think it's an interesting construction of the hand that had flaws and that's what I was trying to point out I, I know what you're saying. I think the information you get from the player now changes your mind. That the guy bets is comfortable now to bet 35. Why wasn't he comfortable before? Well, now he's definitely thinking you don't have pocket aces. Now that we know, now that, we know that he has the queens. So right. if, you, if you reconstruct the hand, what gave this guy you know, confidence to bet 35 on the end when he didn't do it on the turn? So now, did he boat up because the board paired? So that's why he's betting on a boat. So we have the worst boat. So that's why I, I would rethink it. Even though you're right, we controlled the pot. We did it so that it wouldn't be so big on the river we couldn't afford it or would have to be crazy to call it. But when I see that, you know, we only have, what, 75 bucks a start. So that's going to be half our stack, essentially. And half my stack on an underboat. Why did this guy bet now? Is he really bluffing? I mean, it's just, it's hard to bluff. It's not hard to bluff. It's obviously easy to bluff. But I'm just saying, it just seems like if we came around and the board pairs, usually that doesn't embolden someone, you know, that way very often. I, I just, I think that additional information gets past your controlled pot theory. I, I would agree. I would. So um, I, I he, guess I'm. Sacrificing myself to the uh, pyre of fire here <laughs> just to get us to think more about the entire hand as we progress through it. Right, and that, that was what my final thought was going to be on this, was the value I found in this was I thought it out in my head and changed my mind mm-hmm. to the right decision while I was writing it. So if I was while I was writing it on the file, if I was doing that at the table, I would have convinced myself correctly in this case and so I think there's value in thinking things through and taking your time. Um, you know, like I said, after part one, that underboats are just are killers, and that. And I just I so the, the value I'm getting out of this is more uh, an intangible than it is con- directly relating to the, what actually happened in this hand. It's just I would take a lesson from it and, and think long and hard about why this guy bet the river. Look at your hand and realize you are playing Omaha and not Hold'em, and you have the worst boat. Um, now, granted, I don't know why the guy checked with middle set on the turn. Yeah, that was a very tricky move there. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe because cause he's, it, it, you know, right now he's got a lot of things that he could be protecting against, you know, flush draws that guys are coming along for on that turn, uh, Broadway draws, and really the only other thing that he could lose to is a set of aces at that point. So why well, did he check the turn? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I was looking about it and see there was... Wow, so there's no raise preflop. All right, so at that point, no raise preflop. You gotta, you gotta dismiss aces, pocket aces, as being in somebody's hand, right? I mean, why, think. Would, you, why would you not raise pocket aces in Omaha? I know it's not hold them where they're much more powerful, but and Omaha, you need to when you have hands like that, you need to get your money in early and get people out because those hands are so vulnerable to being snapped off. 
Yeah, especially the big blind, because the big blind at that point, if there are limpers, and there were, you can bet the most of anybody in a pot limit game at that point because all the bets are in when it gets to you. So you, if you had aces there, which we know he didn't, he had queens. Um, so I guess he's – oh, no, because I guess he's talking well, to the other players. Is, yeah, mean, the other players. for him to put us on. Yeah, because he's the last one. Exactly. Right, yeah. Right. So at that point, you're right. I mean, now you're just – you're you're risking a lot on that turn. I mean, I guess there's not really draws there, right, clubs? Oh, there's still a heart No, draw. No, yeah. there's hearts and Broadway on the turn. That's why I'm saying he he's, should have been protecting that hand yeah, from – Yeah, absolutely. You know, no, someone had Jack-10 in their hand or whatever. Yeah, so that that's why maybe you could maybe make a uh, – you know, a case for calling your thirty-five dollar that you said because if he had, but then again, you know, if he had queens, well, that's what I'm saying. Why wouldn't he bet the turn? So when he didn't bet the turn, maybe he can he tricked you. Yeah, you know, well, he, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I guess you're getting you're, you're you're trying to give me a little cover there. I appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't know how you how you check that turn. Weird, I would say. I remember. I think it was Phil Galfon who said, um, "The real money is made on the turn in Pot Limit Omaha." Oh, absolutely. And this, the river it, cuts down your action. Yeah, so if this guy just missed his opportunity, it seems like, and we did because we checked and we folded, so he didn't get that money out of us. But if he had made that bet on the turn, maybe we stick around for that bet. You make a smallish bet on the turn of, like, 15 or something. I guess it's also important to say that if we played it my way and I would have bet the turn, we would have lost more money here. Yeah, probably. Because we, Cause the queens are probably aren't probably going anywhere. put any money in from the turn or the river and folded a the losing hand yeah yeah so i mean i was advocating a bet on the turn which at that point might have got a raise out of the guy maybe I, although it's hard to imagine he's going to raise if he didn't bet yeah right you know, if you, maybe right. I, maybe he was expecting a check raise there i mean because we we raised him on the flop but then you know but again i think that's in the heat of the moment you're now at that point you're like oh my god just this guy of aces but really when you think about the hand it doesn't make any sense for us to have aces there right. so he shouldn't have been scared by it right or even if he was scared he should have bet out again to see whether we raised again because yeah because he... the big blind bets out and we raise on that flop right right and then he bets out again and we raise again it's got to be aces at that point right because you're not gonna be bold enough to do that with yeah, he must be thinking that we're going to bet something. Or, yeah, or a lot of draws, you know, maybe both the Broadway and the hard draw. I guess the only thing is that because we raised him, he could have been worried that we did have aces. And then when we checked... Oh, I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, so when we checked, then he's like, screw it, he doesn't have aces, he would have checked aces there, so now I'm betting my my my, my big boat. That's right. got to be it, but yeah, good fold. Kudos to Miley's for folding. That's It's not easy sometimes when you know he did the game like that, and you make a full house, you see a full house, you go blind, you know, you're like, oh, I got to bet. <laughs> All right, it's time for Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiotmagazine.com. And for fans of Omaha, it's an Omaha show today. Yay! Our good friend Mark uh, Wittick has an Omaha hand, and this is from um, a Poker Stars home game. So I don't know whether this is one of our um, uh, Papes events. I think it is because I recognize a lot of the names yeah, I think <laughs> in it the is. Uh, hand history here. But, yeah. Um, Anyhow, it is a uh, pot limit Omaha, so uh, just PLO, not uh, no no eight. Yay! And uh, let me see. Uh, let me try to. It's always hard with these hand things to figure out. See what. Uh, all right, so we are under the gun with seven of spades, king of spades, king of hearts, nine of diamonds. Eh. 
And let's see, it's it's actually a tournament. It's level one, so blinds are fifteen thirty. Um, looks so that ship leader at the table has three thousand. We have about sixteen hundred, and everybody else is right around us. Yeah, I hate this hand. I really do. I really hate this hand. I mean, there, there's nothing really redeeming here. There's nothing redeeming here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm. Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, I would fold. Um, I really would. Even if I'm lying, I would fold. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, seriously, if you make the flush, unless the ace of spades is on the board, you got the second best hand. That's a cardinal rule in this game not to make. Uh, you know, you have the pocket king. So how you? Know, you if you flop a set of kings, but still it's Omaha. So, okay, you flop a set of kings, you're golden if there's no ace on the board. But other than that, well, you can you can make the straight with the king nine. That's a horrible straight. You're not making the nuts. You know, nine seven. You know, who's playing Omaha for nine seven? You know, and so there's no double draw there for for suits. There's only the spades, and it's like I said, it's not the nuts. So, under the gun, I'd probably, if I'm being honest, I mean, I know it's early in a tournament. Why am I getting so crazy early in a tournament? I want to, you know engage how people are playing that kind of thing and i'm just letting it go yeah i think this is a real problem for plo because in your mind you're thinking hey i've got 1600 in chips it's only 30 bucks to limp in here i've got pocket kings with some other possibilities here you know i'll take a flyer and see if i can flop something big and i think that's a problem because it's not just the bleeding of the 30 units that you're probably not going to get back it's that you might get a piece of this flop and then get in a lot of trouble yeah, that that comes right out of your Omaha 101 class you teach on the ship. Yeah. Is the, the you know, you say, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal to get in," but then you get you know, you get suckered into this. Oh, there's, you know, and that's how you lose money in PLO. That's how you lose money in all Omaha games is you think, "Oh, I've got a piece of it and look at all these cards in my hand. I can make something else." And meanwhile, someone else already has the nuts. You know, and you're trying to catch up rather than take the lead and run away with it. And that's just not the t- type of hand I want to play under the gun. Exactly. All right, you're going to love this. Um, everybody in the hand calls big blind checks, except for one, our good friend Gambit folded. I'm giving him a gold star because I'm telling you already, I always tell the folks, it's also part of my Omaha class. If there's that many people in the hand, there are probably five people with a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> in Omaha. <laughs> Absolutely. More so in Omaha um, 8 because you get a highs and lows and stuff there. Right. But. Uh, clearly, uh, there are people making mistakes here, and i um, sorry, Mark, you are a hero. You are one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> see what happens here. All right, the flop is the Deuce of Spades, Deuce of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds, and both blinds check to us. Check. <laughs> check. They can't check fast enough. Check. Yeah. I feel a little better about this because it's not Omaha 8, because in Omaha 8, you're almost guaranteed that somebody has that deuce. Yeah, right. right. So it's easier to get out of the way here. I mean, here it's less, and in PLO, it's very it's less likely you know, for somebody to have a deuce in their hand. So not so worried about that. But all these people in here, somebody could have pocket queens. Pocket queens isn't a raise, pre-flop raising hand in Omaha. Um, and somebody could have a orphan deuce in their hand that, you know, they're playing something else. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is when you... You know, when you were saying that, I think about it. If somebody has a deuce of clubs in their hands, why would they put a deuce of clubs? Well, they have the ace of clubs in their hands, too. Yeah. Now they got the nut flush draw with the ace, so it makes the ace valuable, more valuable than the deuce valuable. So they're going to play that hand, especially for a limp. You know, I'm out. See ya. Yeah, well, I'm not out. We don't, we don't have a bet in front of us. No, I'm saying, but I'm, I'm checking and checking out if it's if something. Folding, right? yeah, yeah, check folding. 
Well, the good news, Chris, is the checks are out. So. Oh my goodness. You're not out of his hand yet. Wow, that's not good news because it's the end of the week. <laughs> All right, the turn is the five of spades. So our board now is deuce of spades, deuce of hearts, queen of diamonds, five of spades. So we picked up the second nut flush draw. Second nut flush. Well, third, well, actually. third if you go by the steel yeah. wheel that could be out there. Well, not draw. steel wheel. Draw steel wheel would take the ace too. Oh yeah. Oh man. So there's just we're three, four, six. I don't know. Yeah, the steel wheel is possible. You could, oh, have yeah, the, you could have a you could have a even higher flush flush draw to the six. Yeah, so it's just a straight flush that wouldn't. So we're use, we're screwed. We, we don't even have like third best flush draw. Yeah, which um, which is not even the third best hand. Right. <laughs> There's still right. quads and full houses that beat us. We have like the eighth best hand yeah. that we could we are drawing to. That we're drawing to, and that's a very key point too. Um, and both blinds check to us. So. Check. <laughs> Check. Uh, no, you make a great point though. Here is the other thing too: is that Omaha is a drawing game, but you got to be drawing to the nuts yeah. to have confidence in that. Because almost somebody and this many people in the hand, somebody's got a main hand of some sort. Obviously, it doesn't seem like anybody's excited about it because no one bet. Um, but somebody's got something out there. Um, now, I guess you could argue that we do too because we get second two pair. <laughs> 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 so it's something you know, more than just four, right? But um, somebody out there's got something here that's just not good for us, right? And it's not like it's uh, PLO eight or just regular Omaha eight where you have an emergency flush or an emergency low that you're like, well, I was going for this hand, but I've got this to save half the pot for me. No, you have nothing emergency here. The only thing you could hope for is a king, and even if the king comes, or maybe the ace of spades, but even then, it's still not the nuts, because you got pocket deuces out yeah, there. Well, I think we got to hope for the two out or one of the two kings, because if one of the two kings comes, then we've got the nuts. No. Oh, second nuts. Second. That's what I'm saying. Pocket yeah. deuces could be out there, so that, you know, it's scary. It's scary. This game is a scary game. Um, all right, well, our hero bets 30. <laughs> oh. A little, little tickle there. Yeah, he wants to make sure these people are serious, because why did they check the turn, the flop, and now two of them have checked the turn, half the field, probably checked the turn here. Let's, uh, let's, I let's put a little feeler. I probably would have more if I was going to bet here just to figure it out, but I kind of, I think I get what he's getting at is, hey, it checked around. This card doesn't seem to have helped anyone, so I'm just going to put a bet out there and maybe get the people that are already decided I'm not putting a single chip in this pot right. out of the way. But um, I don't think that bet's going to get people out of this pot. Too many. It's, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not enough. Because really, at this point, if you've got any possibility here, you know, thirty into I don't know what the pot is at this point, but um, eight people in for so two forty ish. Yeah. Or so, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so two forty issue bet thirty, they're getting nine to one on their money. They put money in, so yeah, yeah. You know, if you have a random deuce, you're calling that thirty every time. And if you had that random deuce, you probably should have bet somehow. And then here's the thing too with the thirty though, is you're right, you're gonna get some more callers. So the really the only way you're gonna win this hand now is to hit one of those two kings. Yeah, probably. Right. Yep. And as you pointed out, that might not even be good enough. So now now I think you're just throwing thirty units away here. I mean if you're really just trying to steal this pot, you got to put in like a 120 or something like that, I would think. Maybe you're hoping for a deuce on the end. Because then, if somebody had three deuces, would they have not have bet already at this point? Yeah, that's that's possible. So now you've got the best bode that's probably out there. If somebody had aces, they probably would have raised with aces. So. Well, yeah, kind of the problem here, too, is that it, it, you get a false sense of um, security when it's checked around on the flop, right? Yeah. But... 
a lot of times there's people early on, particularly let's say if there's three three hearts on the board, right? If if you're in the blinds and you have that made flush, there are people that are hoping that somebody's going to bet so you can check raise, right? Yeah, yeah. So just the fact that it checks around doesn't mean that no one has anything. It just means probably the people at the end of the line have nothing. Right. The people at the front of the line you don't know. Now, of course, the blinds check here as well too. So I guess you could feel a little bit more emboldened that you know no one has a monster here, but we don't have really even a hand that I'm proud to take home to meet the parents. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, if I'm really going to try to win this hand, I need to bet more than 30 here. Yeah, that's Anything right. less than I think it's just throwing it away. Yep, 30 is definitely not a, not. Well, it's not because what's the point of it? Just because you, you want to thin some of the field, or I just don't get the point of it anyway, so um, I don't, I would just not, I would just not even waste that 30, or not even bet. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so everybody calls but one, so it did drive somebody else. <laughs> one person's gone. Um, now we go to the river with everybody that's ever played Omaha in the world still in the hand. <laughs> and that river is the ten of spades, so final board, deuce of spades, deuce of hearts, queen of diamonds, five of spades, ten of spades, so our flush gets there, and the both blinds check, and it's on us. Well, the, here's the thing, is even though we made the second flush it's like uh, why were all those calls made what were they drawing they don't call unless they're drawing because if they had a really good made hand they would raise and bet so very well someone could have an ace of spades so i don't know what to do the sheer volume of people calling here is what makes me think the ace of spades is out there right yeah i mean it could be a lot of people with smaller spades or something that we would love to see out there um but we had one, two, three, four, five callers for this little tickler bet. Yeah. You know, somebody could very well easily just have ace of clubs, deuce of clubs, jack of hearts, ten of hearts, and now they've got a boat, you know, that they just backed into, but they didn't want to bet the deuce earlier because someone could have pocket queens, which is not a raising hand. So, that right. they, so I mean, there could be all kinds of scenarios where the deuce – didn't make a full house yet. It's only made three deuces, and all, all these other people could have full houses already. And when no one keeps betting, or when someone's betting thirty now, and they've hit their random ten in their hand, you know, or something like that, or even pocket tens now it gets there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm still not happy with this. I, I would probably just check, and if it's a reasonable bet, maybe call and learn my lesson to not play this hand. Yeah. But I'm not going to bet now. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. All right, so I said both blinds checked, and our hero bets 195. Ugh. Well, just hope we don't get raised, right? Yep. Um, all right, so we get uh, one folder, and then the next player raises to 390. Nice. It folds around back to us, and now we're heads up here. And uh, you mentioned that the table chatter here was important, so I'm going to give it to you. So our hero says, got the ace, and the guy that raced said, call, find out. <laughs> now nah, I fold, because he's probably got a boat, too. That's why they say that, you know. I'm just, I'm done with this hand. I, I would never have bet that, and now that we have, I'm not going to compound that. Plus, there's another player in the call, too, isn't there? Uh, no, we're heads up now. Oh, okay, we are heads up so, now. So we yeah. will close it out here, but... No, I'm, I mean, I'm still... I mean, I wasn't comfortable putting the 195 in the pot, so I'm certainly not comfortable putting the total of 390 now. Yeah, no, I'm... 195 or so. I'm done. 
Oh yeah, I guess it was. It was a min raise, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm done. All the more to that fishy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I hate to spoil and make it sound more exciting than it is, but we do fold here. Yeah, I mean, I would fold. I I just would not have bet in the beginning. Yeah. I just don't know what to think about that bet. When you look at a pot limit game, a pot limit Omaha game, and you think about the scenarios that are possible, there's so many scenarios with so many players in that hand, you really have to have the nuts to play that hand, and you don't, or at least close to it. You know, I mean, this... We like if we sat down and had to figure out how many hands beat us: pocket tens, pocket fives, pocket queens, pocket deuces, deuce queen, deuce five, deuce ten. You know what I mean? And then ace of spades with any other spade. That's a lot of hands that beat our king high flush there. I would not put another dime into that pot, even to start with, unless somebody bet like forty and we closed out the betting or something. You know? Then it's like, all right, I get tons of my money. And let's just see what this guy has and try to use that information later to see how he played it. Sure. But no way. Yeah, I think this hand, you know, it ended with a whimper, but I think it was a great hand just because I think a lot of people were making mistakes here. Obviously, we don't know what anybody had. But um, but you know their mistakes. <laughs> and these are a lot of our listeners, too. So yeah. it kind of proves to people that say we don't know what we're doing with the new hand analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I, the lessons are you know definitely have a strong hand in Omaha, especially if you're playing out of position, and you know and they keep the pressure on. I mean, well, thirty dollar bets are not going to get people out when they have so many options in their hands. It's the problem with Omaha. That's what I always tell the, the people in the class too: is you get so excited, you got four cards now with all these combinations because you all the cards can work with other cards, and you just get excited and you're like, oh my god, there's so many uh, potential here, and. But yeah, and most of that potential is potential for you to lose money. Yeah, it's, this is unnecessary. There was no reason to get into trouble with this hand. It, you know, this under the gun, king, king, rag, rag, is just not a hand to play. It's just not. It'd be one thing if you had king, king, ace something, and the ace was suited with one of the kings and that kind of thing. But really, the seven doesn't go with the king except for in spades, so you're not making the nuts, you know, unless the ace of spades comes. So you're looking for one one specific card to come on that flop to make it playable, and that, that's just a bad way to play this game. Yeah. You know? Or a king, but even a king comes down, you gotta... Dodge everything else. Gotta fade everything the rest of the hand. Yeah, you gotta fade uh, But if you are gonna trades. play that hand, you also absolutely need to play for a raise. You need to thin the field with a weak hand. Yep. Yep. So. Alright, All right, Mark, hopefully you learned something. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>